Living Corporate is brought to you by The Group Chat, a bi-weekly web show on the Living Corporate Network that tackles diversity, equity, and inclusion topics your jobs, legal, and HR departments would never let fly. With topics like white supremacy at work, finding out that I'm a Karen, decolonizing DE&I, racial gaslighting at work, and imposter syndrome while black, you may be able to see why, but you may also be able to see why so many folks love it. Between our incredible host and our guests, which range from Fortune 500 executives to academics to activists to entrepreneurs, every other Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard is something special. So make sure you check out the group chat on livingcorporate.tv. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Yo, really excited, thankful, all of those different things for the fact that, yo, I was on CBS. Did y'all see it? I was on CBS. Good morning. We were talking about racial bias at work, and I got on there and was able to share my experiences as a black man in corporate America, and then I was able to plug Living Corporate, and y'all, Living Corporate was all on the TV screen, and then they got a screenshot of me. I mean, Aaron did. Shout out to Aaron. Thank you very much. My face is on there. You know what I'm saying? It says Zachary Nunn, founder of Living Corporate. It's just super surreal. I just want to thank uh, CBS this morning for reaching out. I want to shout out Wise, um, who is the founder of the ICN Network, right? So uh, the ICN Network is this platform all about black podcasts. Really, really encouraging. It just reminds me about going back and like staying humble to your roots of like the people that really help you. And I got to remember to keep my core values, my core values, right? Like these, there's other networks and platforms and folks who are willing to help and support, but it's important that you practice group economics, right? Like look out for those who look out for you. And the reality is, is that black folks, we have to continue to practice sharing and supporting one another. And if it wasn't for wise connecting the dots for me, I probably wouldn't even, I wouldn't have been on there. I would not have been on CBS this morning. It was all just very fell in my lap. So shout out to wise, shout out to guys, shout out to the team, shout out to, uh, shout out to y'all, the, the, the fans, the listeners, appreciate y'all now look um before we get into our conversation today i really want to shout out the team right so you know hopefully y'all have noticed we have new ads right different ads all of them focused on the content that living corporate creates we're a digital media network so we're creating content that centers and amplifies black and brown folks at work and we have a lot of different ways to do that this flagship podcast is just that it's the flagship but it's not the only thing we do and so my hope is, is that if you listen to Living Corporate, you're a fan of Living Corporate, you would check out our other podcasts, you would check out our other web shows, you would check out our blogs, that you would just check us out, right? Like explore us, have a good time, hang out a while, share it with your friends, share it with your people. You know, I hope that uh, we continue to grow, right? Like Living Corporate is the biggest thing, like the, the podcast is our biggest thing, but we're also growing a lot with the access point and the group chat and our newest show, The Break Room. Right. Plus, we have the leadership range and we have the see it to be a series and we have Madison Butler, who's one of our incredible writers, who's creating super dope content for the platform. Just super thankful for everybody, because this is not a one person show. This is a community of creators and creatives and people who are just passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion, coming together to create something really special. And, you know, I believe that um, CBS this morning was is one of many things that are going to continue to happen. And that's because of our team. And that's because of y'all. So thank you. Now, look, uh, today I'm really excited because I have Lovey. Uh, Lovey is an incredible 
incredible talent, thought leader, speaker, educator, author, mentor, advocate, um, just just a great person, like super dope. I'm a fan of her content, professional troublemaker, Jesus and Jalof. Uh, we talk a little bit about her journey. We talk a bit about um, her book. And so we're going to get into that. But before we go to our, our conversation with Lovey, we're going to tap in with Tristan. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss three reasons why you should join your company's employee resource groups. For those of you who aren't aware of what employee resource groups, or ERGs, are, they're voluntary employee-led groups made up of individuals who join together based on shared interests, backgrounds, or demographic factors such as gender, race, ethnicity, or sexuality. They can also go by the names business resource groups, diversity networks, colleague resource groups, and team member networks. So why should you join them? First, it's an excellent opportunity to gain leadership experience. Typically, these groups have a leadership team, committees, and opportunities to lead the planning and execution of certain events and projects. If you're looking for a way to show you can lead teams and create results, ERGs can provide that opportunity without you having to wait for a position or a promotion to do so. ERGs also provide you greater visibility in the organization. Most ERGs have an executive sponsor and other organizational leaders who are involved. So if you lead an ERG project or committee, you often get to work with senior leaders, which provides you with the exposure you probably wouldn't get in your day-to-day -day role. You also don't have to worry about feeling like you're going over your boss's head to develop relationships with these leaders. This leads me to my final point. ERGs are a great way to build your network within your company outside of your immediate area. ERGs bring employees from different levels and functions across the whole organization together. This provides opportunities to identify and develop relationships, especially with people who could be potential mentors or sponsors. Remember, 75 to 80% of jobs are filled through networking and referrals. Networking at your current job can help you get that promotion, transfer into that department you want to work in, or secure a referral when your new connection lands that role at the company you want to work at. While ERGs do require work outside of your standard duties and responsibilities, they can also significantly impact your career trajectory. And don't forget, you can join more than one to maximize some of these benefits. Thanks for tapping in with me today. Don't forget, I'm now taking submissions from you on all career questions, issues, concerns, or advice you think may help others. So make sure to submit yours at bit.ly forward slash tap in Tristan. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network, hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards. The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out The Leadership Range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Lovey, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you for having me, Zach. Doing well. All right. Now, look, I'm late, but we haven't connected before. So I'm going to go ahead and say congrats on the, the recent nuptials. You had two weddings in, in a day in the middle of a panoramic. Congratulations. 
You know, it actually wasn't. It was September 2019. So it wasn't, the pandemic was not happening yet. Well, look, anyway, I'm still saying congratulations because we ain't met before. So congratulations any dog on me. So you were, thank you. You recently celebrated your your one year anniversary. So still all good. Absolutely. Now, um, a, a bit more recent and a bit more sad, um, you know, your therapist recently passed away. You tweeted about writing through those feelings. Um, it feels like it feels like you're constantly growing and in, evolving in front of us, like us being like the public in, in near real time. What's that like? Like, how do you manage what you keep in house and what you wait to reveal? Yeah. So how I manage it, I think um, I just figure out what I need to learn out loud and share out loud, hoping other people get to kind of see what it looks like in practice. So for me, I think um, sharing that my therapist died was something that felt like I needed to say because I talk about therapy a lot. You know, I talk about going to therapy. I encourage people to go to therapy. So for such a big part of my life to be affected, I was like, yeah, this is something I actually should share because Again, oftentimes we find that people don't really talk about what they're actually going through. Um, and learning out loud often looks like sometimes processing some of this stuff out loud. I think I still have strong boundaries. I'm not sharing every single thing, but the therapist news was something that I felt like, yeah, I actually have to talk about this because I talk about therapy and so often that if I just stop talking about it, <laughs> it won't feel right. And people want to know like, so how's therapy going? And I share often what my therapist teaches me. So that was important to pass on. Like therapists can actually die. You never think about you it. Don't. You never you think don't. about it's, it. I mean, it's, well, it's because they're, they're, they're a part of, for me anyway, my, my experience is like your therapist can often be like, I mean, yes, they're a person, but they're more so it's more like a figure or a pillar in your life. Yeah, right? so you don't you yes. don't think that that's going to just go away because why would that go away until they until it goes away? Exactly. It's something that you kind of take for granted. Right. You kind of it's not even that they take it for granted because I I constantly talked about how amazing my therapist was and, and how she was constantly dropping gems. But, yeah, you take the fact that you even have one for granted because, of course, they're going to be there when you schedule your appointment and when you show up, they'll be there, too. Mm, yeah, no, but I think really what happened as a result of me sharing that experience is a lot, a lot of people in the weeks since my therapist passed have been hit me up to be like, I actually ended up telling my therapist that I really appreciate them. They had like real strong moments with their therapist in ways they never have because they were like, we, it, it gave them the perspective to like, look at this person that's sitting across from them and being like, wow, thank you for what you've done for me so, so far. So I've heard such great feedback from how people have processed this, even with their therapists, like some, some of their therapists have been like, they're creating succession plans because they even never thought about what happens if they were to somehow be incapacitated, um, what would happen with their clients. So Yeah. That's real. Um, you know, and, and, and speaking of just like learning um, or sharing and learning out loud, like talk to me about 2020. Like, of course, we thank God um, that it's over. Uh, but what are things that 2020 created clarity for you on? You know, as you, as you think about like just the experiencing the year in totality, like what things are clear to you now that were not as clear in 2019? Um, I think um, 
understand, like, I think pandemic, the pandemic was really interesting and is still interesting because it basically revealed everything that you might not realize that you were compartmentalizing or everything that you might not realize you were dealing with or how fast you were running. And I think for me, that's a big part, like how fast I was running and have been running for the last six years became really clear uh, to me when pandemic happened and I actually could sit on my couch and not be jumped on a plane every two days to go to a speaking engagement. And it confirmed to me that taking that time is necessary. Like I have actually really enjoyed not having to constantly go, go, go. That's been a big thing that I've allowed myself. (laughs) Um, The fact that I don't have to be nowhere. I just have to come into my home office. I don't have to be in three different cities in one week. Listen, it has recharged my batteries in a way. Um, It's let me get back to my writing, which is something that in the past, because I got so busy, my writing got left behind. Like, Let's say this was 2018 and my therapist just died. I wouldn't even be able to process it because I'd be on the way to speaking engagement. Then after that, I'd be on the way to a conference. And then after that, I'd be going somewhere else. So I wouldn't even be able to sit with it. And um, I think I think the stillness has been a gift. Yeah, you know, that that resonates with me, Levy, because I think about one. So my daughter, Emery, she's 10 months old now. So she was born in March. And I think so, you know, in addition to running Living Corporate full time, I'm also I'm also a full time consultant. So had we not had this this parabola, I'd be traveling. Right. And so. This, this last year, I think for me, it really gave me clarity on family and the fragility of life, right? Because when you, 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 have, you have this newborn, you have this brand new person in the world, you're like, man. And, then you, and so one, it's, it's things are already fragile because they're, you know, it's a new life. But then you think about there's a pandemic going on. So like, what does it look like to even be, to be even more cautious and careful and thoughtful about taking care of your body and being mindful of your health? Like, it's just so, yeah, I hear you on that. Um. So look, let me ask you this because you talk a, a you talk about this um, on uh, on your show, Jesus and Jalof. You did. Um, I really appreciate it. First of all, Jesus and Jalof is great. I I still run back old episodes. It's very funny. So thank you. No, no, it's it's very funny. Um, but but I, I think this conversation has really yet to to settle. Um, do you believe that the racial animus of the last five years? you know, peaked, I would say, at the insurrection of January 6th, has closed or will close, um, continue to close the, the, the ADOS and non-ADOS divides? I don't know. I have no clue. I think um, I'm hoping what we're seeing right now is what happens when we actually allow ourselves to be divided. I'm hoping we are um, learning from this moment that it's really important for us to find common ground. And when we don't, the cracks that form are massive. And honestly, for me, being black is the ultimate flex. And it's the, whether I'm African or African-American or whatever titles people want to take on, I'm black. And I'm part of a global network of people who I feel deeply obligated to. And when we start a lot of there's a lot of nationalism that happens 
that makes us think that we are somehow different, more different than not. And let me tell you, being black, when you travel around the world, you realize that blackness, although it's not a monolith, it's a stronghold and an anchor. And, you know, when you go to a different country, when you go to Jamaica, you'll find black folk who look like your cousins. When you go to Ghana, you'll find people who look like your cousins. I went to freaking Netherlands and saw black folk who look like my cousins. So I actually don't think it's productive for us to be on opposing sides as if we're Africans or if we're American born black people. Um, it just doesn't do us any favors. It doesn't do us any favors. And what we're seeing with this insurrection and, and all this white nationalism is that the one thing that they've considered their common ground is their whiteness. And they'll ride that that till the wheels fall off. They'll use that as a as a uniting point. And whether or not they agree on certain things, they're just like, you white, I'm white, I bet. I'm a protected. We're gonna ride. At all costs. We're gonna ride. And that's wild because we'll find ways to other each other. And next thing you know, we're on opposing sides. And all we have are numbers. That's the thing. When we don't have privilege of power. All we have is privilege and numbers, and we're not using that privilege fully. I'm right there with you. No, I 100 I 100% agree with you. So, look, we did all this talking. I want to get to it. Let's talk about your book, Professional Troublemaker. First off. Word, word. Why the title? <laughs> you know, uh, that that's actually what, how I started my TED Talk. Uh, the first words I say is, I'm a professional troublemaker. <laughs> And that was an important way for me to start the talk because when people hear that phrase, you're probably like, damn, you're going to call yourself that? And I'm like, yeah, because I think being a troublemaker has gotten a bad rap. A lot of times being a troublemaker is about being a disruptor, being a trailblazer, being somebody who is charting their own course or being somebody who's challenging things that's not okay. You know, I think about John Lewis who charged us up and said, we got to make necessary good trouble. And what that usually looks like is you're the person who's saying what people don't want to hear, but sometimes really need to. You're the one who's making sure in the meeting, you're pointing out the idea that's not good. You're also usually the person that is looking out for other people's blind spots. So yeah, being a professional troublemaker is what I aspire to be and what I am in the world as this truth teller. So I decided to call my second book Professional Troublemaker because the real the real goal of this book is to encourage people and empower them to fight their fears because for us to live audaciously, for us to go past what the world wants us to be, we're going to have to do some scary things. We're going to have to make some trouble in our own lives for the greater good. So my story and my journey as a writer and a speaker and just as a person is of, you know, soaring in moments because of moments where I decided to do something that felt too big for me. Like it was something that was clear that whenever I let fear be the first factor in my decision-making, I lose. But whenever I go, you know what, I'm afraid, but this thing, I got to do it. I win. So even my TED talk was that I had turned that talk down twice because I was afraid that I wasn't ready for it. Like Ted does not play about these. Lily, what's up like, with these flexes, man? So, so you start off talking about, hey, this came from my TED talk, but you know, actually, I turned them down twice. <laughs> top, like, it's, it's from uh, 
goodness gracious. Keep going. I'm listening to you. No, it's true. I turned down my TED Talk twice because I didn't think I was ready for it. I was afraid of like bombing. Because let me tell you, TED don't play about their stages. I, I had heard. When, heard <laughs> oh, no, they don't play. Like when you are asked to do an official TED Talk, they ask for a script. They will edit your talk and make sure it is up to their standards. They will assign you to a coach and have you rehearse for months before you ever even touch the stage. So when they invited me, I was like, oh, I ain't got time for all of that. I'm not ready for all of that. So I turned it down. They asked me again. Uh, and I was like, I'm doing a, a speaking tour. And I definitely won't have time for it. And then I hit them up just to be like, hey, can I just get a day pass and just come support my friends? And they were like, well, if you can come, we want you to speak. And that was three weeks before the, before Ted. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's wild. Because everybody else at that point had like five months worth of practice and rehearsal and whatnot. So one of my friends did not let me say no. She literally was like, you don't think you're prepared because everybody has done all this stuff, but everybody ain't you. So she was like, you got to do this. And so I did the TED Talk scared. Okay. I was petrified because I was like, it didn't oh my show. God. It didn't show in the video though. It didn't because when I stepped on that stage, it was like an out-of-body experience. And that TED Talk that you see is the TED Talk I gave on that stage. It was kind of crazy. So I, um, my TED Talk ended up being the first one from that event that TED decided to feature. They featured it a month later. And the talk... <sighs> got a million views in a month. And what I realized was, imagine if I didn't do it. Like that talk now has like 5.5 million views and has gotten me countless speaking engagements, has had so many people reach out to me and say like, hey, this is what impact it did. And I'm like, yo, imagine if I didn't do that thing because I just kept being scared. Imagine if they let me keep being scared. Imagine if I had kept on saying no to that yes opportunity. How how much would I have missed out on? And that's why I was like, oh, that's what I got to write my second book about. Like, we got to all stop being scared and stopping ourselves from doing what we're supposed to do because it means like we're letting fear stop us from doing purpose-driven work. And that's not good. So yeah, that's why I wrote this book. And that's why I'm so excited for people to have it in their hands. Well, let me let me call something out, right? Because I know that you're you're you know you talk about faith, your faith, your your relationship with God often. Um, I want to highlight something about just God's grace and favor in your life because, you know, you Ted reached out to you and you you said nah. Then they reached out again and you said nah. Then you just asked for a day pass and they still were pursuing you. Like that's a blessing, right? Everyone doesn't have, yeah. you know, like the blessing to even want to even get recognized, let alone to turn. To, you know, you had so much going on. And yes, and yes, there is fear involved. I respect that. Um, but you also had legitimate things going on to decline, right? Like you, you were moving. Right. Yep. 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 But I think a lot of it, I mean, you're not wrong. Like God's grace is all over my life. I always say that like my journey is a testament to my hard work, my gifts, but also God's grace because half the time and half the things that happen, I'm like, yo, I can't even explain it because after the first time they asked me and I said, no, that should have probably been it. Right. But the fact that they didn't let me say no, and they kept on going, it was almost like 
they were being sent back to be like, nope, nope, nope. We need you to, we need her to do this. And I'm always cognizant of that. And that's why, like, for me, humility looks like, I know I'm dope at what I do, but it's also, yo, um, God be working on my behalf. Well, you know, they, they, they talk about like, you know, like one of my, one of my pastors talked to, like was talk, talking to me about the biblical definition of humility, right? It's not about like, it's, it's, it's agreeing with who God says you are. You know, it's not about necessarily thinking that you're not X, Y, and Z. Like you said, you know, you're dope. You know, you know, you're dope. You know, you got, you got, you got it going on. You got, you're doing what you need to do. Um, and it's about moving accordingly in light of who, who, you know, who, you know, you've been made to be. So that's super dope. Um, let's talk about this a bit more because, you know, as I read your, as I read the, uh, read your book and I was, I was, what I continue, what continued to come and stick out to me was this concept of self-advocacy, right? Like ultimately when you talk about speaking truth to power and I think about professional troublemaking, honestly, the most trouble I've gotten to lovey is when I just tell the truth at my job. Yes. Yep. It's real. And I think that troublemaking of, of truth telling is something that I'm hoping the people who are at the top of companies, when they see me in the world, they're like, yo, we've been bugging because we've actually been punishing people for telling the truth. You know, like when I'm encouraging people like you to like speak up, I'm hoping the people who are above you at your job are also now seeing their own habits in punishing folks. Right, right. No, and hundred percent. So, Lovey, like, I'll give you an example, right? So, like I told you, right, I'm a full time consultant while I have this full time. You don't think that people pull me aside or ask me questions, or I'm not seen as a bit of a troublemaker for having this platform that centers and amplifies Black and Brown folks at work, while I'm a Black person at work? Like, it creates, you know, challenges. But to your end, what the book, what it resonated, what really resonated me was just the fact of pushing past those fears. And, and batting those those things back because of all the things that fear can, to your point earlier about the TED Talks, force you to, to miss out on. I mean, the, the benefits certainly outweigh the cons, even if they're not immediate, you know? I agree. And I think um, we basically have to make sure that we're holding ourselves to better standards than the world is asking, right? Like the world will always give us a reason to be quiet. We will always have reasons to not show up properly because there's so many there's so many things that are standing in our way that are telling us that don't do this thing is too risky. Always. Yeah. No, you're right. There's always gonna be some reason. And what's interesting is though, like, and I was talking to my talking to my dad about this. My uh, my father was something like, look, son, like if you want to really create an impact, you're not gonna create an impact doing what everyone else has historically done. You gotta do something different. Like, and when you think about historically the troublemakers, you talked about um, about uh, the late uh, Congressman Lewis, uh, rest in peace. You think about like our civil, you know, we're, so we're, we're recording this on, in Black History Month. You think about literally every Black History Month hero that we have is someone who defied conventional norms and did something different. Exactly. Exactly. And again, like I'm so inspired by those who came before us because they had so many reasons to not do anything right? They had so many reasons to just do self-preservation and they chose courage in times when they literally could have been killed 
for the mere fact that they spoke up, for the mere fact that they showed up somewhere. I know we talk about police brutality now, but now we have social media to at least tell us this is happening. Back then, they could be killed in the dark. 100%. They could be killed in the dark. And they still were like, you know what? What we want to put forward is still more important than what we're afraid of. And if we say, you know, oftentimes people say stuff like, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Well, did our ancestors put themselves on the line constantly? Absolutely. So then we also now have to charge ourselves up like, all right, what are we doing? What's the work that we need to do that's going to make them even further proud? I agree. And I, my hope, you know, I, I think about this Black History Month, it just being so unique and different in, in my mind, for at least for my generation in my lifetime, in that, you know, there's been so much happening and documented, filmed, and just like recorded to highlight inequities. And so my hope is that like, you know, we take this Black History, like we take this, this season, not just this month, but like really 2021, and we keep the momentum and uh, from a lot of things that were really highlighted in 2020 to create those systemic changes because it's almost kind of like where sometimes I feel like, and this is me, right? I just, I feel like how much are we trying to push forward and how much are we trying to like maintain position, right? Like those are, those are two different fights, right? If you're looking to maintain position, you're not necessarily going to do the same things you're looking, if you're looking to really like to your point around like continuing that tradition, that ancestral tradition of progress. And so I'm excited about like, where we're at and I just hope that we can continue to push forward. Um, I think about legacy and ancestor, ancestry a lot. You think about the people that came before you, it's easy to kind of think that, you know, you're the first person to have this idea or the first person to feel this passionately. It's like, man, you're standing on, you're standing on the shoulders of tons of folks that came before you, you know what I mean? Exactly, standing on the shoulders of giants who were just regular people who decided to do extraordinarily brave things. Like it is, it is so inspiring to really read what they went through and re- like watch a movie about it, you know, and absorb the fact that the stakes were so much higher for them, so much higher. Yeah, I'm, I'm just endlessly inspired. Now, look, I'm not asking you to give away a, a bunch of sauce on the book because it's fire, right? And we want people to go get it. But I am going to ask you to expound upon one one thing I read in the book that I just found it resonated with me because because I because I, I practice this. Uh, you you talk about you recommend everyone having a Nigerian friend. Yes, indeed. Let's 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 talk about that now. Look, I have a plethora of Nigerians that I I could shout out on this show, and I might depending on you know I'm gonna see what you give me. I might get excited and say a few names, but I, I love that. But I want I want to hear you talk a little bit more about why why you made that recommendation. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like everybody needs a Nigerian friend in their lives because insults are our love language. We will insult you, but we will passionately also cheerlead you. We just add extra type of spice in your life. You know what I mean? Like we bring extra flavor because we are, Nigerians are just culturally super extra. <laughs> we are just really extra people. Everything we do is extra. We party extra. Like, our weddings last three, four days. We It's a whole color fair. It's just, we're just really extra, yo. And I just think everybody needs a Nigerian friend. There's so many of us. So you can find one. You know what? I'm right there with you. First of all, shout out to all my Nigerians. I love y'all. Yes. Um, it was funny enough that my family did some, like they did the Ancestry.com thing. 
and found out that a significant percentage of our ancestry is Nigerian. And so it's interesting to that end around just like I won as I got to Houston because I, I moved from Dallas and Houston has a high population, as I'm sure you know, lovey, of mm-hmm. Nigerians, right? Something about the way that they encourage, uh, the time that they give and the truth. Like they'll tell me the truth. Hurt my feelings a little bit sometimes, but they tell me the truth, though. And I appreciate that. Um, and I've learned a lot culturally from just talking to Amaka Izuku, uh, Bobby Odior, Richard Odior, TJ Chizani, right? I have plenty of friends who, Ayo um, Omoperiola, like Sola, um, shoot, Ade, plenty of folks in my life. Um, I, I think that's super, I just, I found that just such, such a unique bit of advice, Lovey, for real. And I thought it was dope. Thank you. I mean, look, it's also kind of like a tongue in cheek chapter. I was just like, you know what? I got to gas up my Nigerians for a hot second. So it was just an excuse for me to also put that in the book, which and I loved writing that chapter. It was really fun for me. It was it was fun to read. Glad, glad. <laughs> OK, so now, look, um, I told you I'd get you up out of here in a reasonable amount of time. You're dropping gems all the time. If you're not on the chatty house, if you're not on Jesus and Jalof, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you're not on Twitter, you're dropping gems somewhere, doing something. So before I let you go, what parting words do you have for folks as they continue to seek to grow and become professional troublemakers? I think you just got to commit to doing things scared. Just understanding that sometimes it's not easy, but if it's really important, if you are compelled to do it, if you can't help yourself, you just got to do it scared. I love that. Got to be comfortable being uncomfortable absolutely come on now i appreciate you y'all make sure y'all check out professional troublemaker you know we'll talk about on the outro as well but check out the links in the show notes for the pre-order don't be scared in fact be scared and buy the book any doggone way okay you know what i'm saying you're gonna be all shaking your finger gonna be shaking just press the little pre-order button that's all you gotta do just just press it get it on kindle get it on hard copy if you're scared of hard copy go ahead and embrace your fear and buy a hard copy version if you're scared of kindle embrace your fear of Kindle and buy the Kindle version. If you're scared of having too many books, embrace the fear and buy a few versions, copies of the books so you can give to your friends. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you, Zach. All right. Thank you, Lovey. We'll talk to you soon. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, A variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point, a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. And we're back, yo. First of all, again, shout out to Lovey. Shout out to all my Nigerians. Love y'all. I shouted some people out, you know what I'm saying? I shout out Ade, Amaka, uh, Richard, Bobby, Sola, right, Ayo. Shout out to y'all. I appreciate y'all. I'm thankful. You know, I'm, I'm just thankful for where we're at, you know, it's Black History Month. Happy Black History Month again. And, and, you know, something to remember is that, y'all, we're making black history every day, right? If you're showing up as your authentic self, 
And despite all the systems and things that are pitted against you or not, or rather not created with your success in mind, you still finish the day and you go back the next day, you're making black history. Okay. So stay encouraged and um, we'll talk to you soon. Make sure you give us uh, five stars and a review on Apple podcasts. Don't be shy till next time. Y'all peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.